Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how God has used Velocity to make a difference in your life, send an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. We're in this amazing series called Learning to Listen. Did anybody get anything from that message last week? Amazing. It was great. And this series is for anyone who has ever struggled to hear from God. So anyone, if, if you're qualified to be here, hear this sermon. If you've ever struggled to hear from God, and, and last week Josh highlighted it, but I just want to go over it again that if, if God is truly speaking to us, the most important thing that we can do is learn to listen. And if you're here and you're like me and you sometimes struggle to hear from God, it's encouraging to know just because God seems quiet to you doesn't mean he's quit on you. And I just want to encourage you with the last thing, the question that we answered from last week is the question really isn't is if God is speaking because because he is speaking but the question is, are we listening and are we willing to respond? And, and that's what I want to build on top of today in week two of this series. And I want to jump right into our main theme verse for today. So everything we're talking about is going to be through the lens of this verse. And it, it comes out of... If, if you don't have your Bible, uh, we're going to put it up on the screen. But if you do have your Bible, I just want to invite you to get that out. Uh, if you have the app on your phone or you brought your analog Bible today, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy 3. So 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And this is what our scripture for today says. It says, every part of scripture is God-breathed. Every part. And useful one way or another. It's showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live in God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. So I want to pray. It's our custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's Word. So if you're comfortable, would you bow your heads with us and as we go to God? Well, Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you can do all things but fail. God, we thank you that you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. God, that we are going to see a victory if we follow your voice, if we follow your presence, if we follow your word and obey it. God, we thank you for that. And God, I just ask that today you would speak. God, speak like only you can. And Father, I ask by the power of the Holy Spirit, this message would tailor itself. You would tailor it for every heart in every situation, every circumstance today. And God, I pray what your son prayed over the disciples, that he, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So God, help us do that. Open our minds, God, as we open our hearts to you this morning. And it's in your mighty name that we all pray. And if you believe with that, you can say, amen. Well, I got to know, I, I love to get to know uh, the congregation before I, I, I speak, and so I want to do a quick poll, but before I do, do you guys know the, the read receipts? You know what I'm talking about when I'm saying that? So the read receipts, if, if I sent you a text message and then you read it, I would be able to see when you read it. It would have the time on it. It would have, so I, I want to know who are the people in the room who have read receipts turned on for their phone? Who are those people? 
man, that is not a lot. Okay, who are the people who love to just mess with people, to keep them in limbo, who don't like accountability? I'm just kidding. Who are those people who don't have read receipts on? All right, I'm just being honest. We're being honest in church this morning, but me and my wife, we, we have our read receipts on for each other, and uh, recently, uh, we were having a text, text, text message thread, and, and we were just, it was during our work day, so we were just catching up on work and catching up on our day, and uh, I sent her a text message, and it was after all of this string, and, and she, she read it, but she didn't respond, and so about five minutes later, I gave her some grace, okay? Five minutes, I was like, hey, did you see my last text? Are you, are you going to respond to me? And uh, so she read it again, but then she didn't respond. And then the, the, the finally, I just texted her one last time. I was like, babe, are, like, what's going on? Like, are you reading my text? Like, and you're just, are you messing with me? What's going on here? And she read it, and she didn't respond. <laughs> And so, of course, like any rational, uh, well-emotioned person, I didn't call her. I didn't think to do anything, but I was freaking out, right? We freak out. And I was like, of course, she's got to be either dead in a ditch, or she's got to be hurt, or she's got to be kidnapped, or even worse, she's reading all of my texts and choosing not to respond, right? But obviously she's here. She she's okay. So everything was fine. And I was just freaking out for no reason. But oftentimes I feel like that's how we feel in our relationship with God. Is we we send up all of these prayers. We send up all of these prayers again. We're we're speaking to God. We send up text after text. And we know God hears us, but we feel like we're being left unread. And That's the title of my message today. If you're taking notes, which I encourage you to take notes today, write it down either on your phone or on the the church guide that we gave you or whatever. The title of my message today is Left on Red. And I want to look back to the first part of our main scripture for today. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, it says this, Every part of scripture is God-breathed, and useful one way or another. But if we can be real for a moment, it's, it's, I don't really understand sometimes all of what God's trying to say through Scripture. Can we be real? I don't know if anybody else is like me, but sometimes I read the Bible and I, I kind of don't understand what God's trying to speak through it. Is that just me? Okay, maybe it is, but, but for me, it reminded me of the time that uh, in high school and college that I had to study Shakespeare. Did, did anyone else in high school or in college, did you have to read Macbeth or Twelfth uh, Night or Romeo and Juliet? Did anyone have to read that or see it play by Shakespeare? <laughs> I'm alone. Well, I'm like the only nerd in this place, but that's okay. But the, the ironic thing, the, I think the funny thing is, you might not have known this about my wife, but she was an award-winning English teacher before she started, yeah, winning awards for teaching English. Who does that? 
But, she, but now she started her own business. She's not an English teacher anymore. But it is so ironic to me because I would have literally been one of the students that she was so disappointed in. Like, would not have liked to teach me. But it's really not my fault, right? Because Bill Shakespeare is really hard to read. It's really hard to understand. And in high school, I really thought I was fluent in English. And then I read Bill Shakespeare, right? I, and I didn't quite understand when he was trying to iambicing and when he was pentametering. It was just like impossible for me. It was like reading another language, but it was my language. And the real reason why Heather would have been so disappointed in me is because I showed absolutely no effort to try to understand it. Zero effort. In fact, I spark noted literally every book in high school. Can I, can I get a witness for spark notes in this place? <laughs> uh, Heather is cringing right now. But in college, I, uh, I actually ended up getting a theater minor as a part of my degree. And so I really had to dive in and try to understand what this guy was trying to say. And really the event that sparked me to really try to understand what was going on in Shakespeare's. I went to a play. It was Midsummer's Night's Dream. Did I say that right? Midsummer Night, Midsummer's Night Dream. Nights? Is it, I don't know if it's possessive. See, I needed to study it. But I went to this show, and there was everyone all around me, and they were laughing at every joke. They were engaged the whole time, and I was sitting there like, ha, 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 ha acting like I was really engaged and really laughing along with it. But really, I didn't understand a thing. And eventually, I, I realized that I had to put in the work and I had to ask the right questions so that I didn't miss out on any more of the jokes. So that's what I did, is I put in the work and I asked a lot of questions. And then I put even more work in and I asked even more questions. And I started to see finally, the real beauty and the real art that Shakespeare was trying to convey through his works. And I think we can all feel like I felt when I was sitting in that crowd laughing awkwardly. And we can feel that way at church. We can feel that way when we read the Bible. Because we speak the same language as the Bible, but sometimes we really don't get what God's trying to say through it. And much like doing the work of understanding Shakespeare... Doing the work to understand the Bible is worth it. It is so worth it. Why is it worth it? It's because this book is God-breathed. It's God-inspired. It was written by man, but it was inspired by God. It is one of the main things that God wants to communicate to us with and speak directly to us. And that's why on your seat, as you're walking in, we wanted to give everyone that came to church today the opportunity to, to scan this QR code or go to this link. And I want to encourage you to do it right now as I'm talking. And if you already have this app, awesome. But this is an incredibly awesome and absolutely free app. And we are going to put the QR code up on the screen and you can scan that app. You can download it right now and have the, the Word of God at your fingertips every day, all day on the thing that you use the most. And the re, the, there's, a, there's a couple things that I want to highlight in this app. The first thing is the verse of the day. 
This is amazing. Every day I'm just astounded as how they pick the right verse for the exact situation that I'm in. How do they do that? There's like over one million downloads. There's a million people and they're just reading my mail. But the amazing thing about the verse of the day is you can click the three dots right by it and you can go to notification settings and you can have a push notification. God can literally text you his word in the middle of your day. And I love to do this at like 5.30 a.m. That way the very first thing I see on my phone is God's word because I think it's so tempting to open up our phone and check our email. Open up our phone, check social media. Open up our phone, check whatever, our text messages. But this is the first opportunity we have in our day to look to what God's trying to speak to us. So that's the the verse of the day. The other thing that I want to highlight in that app, and I want to just encourage you, challenge you to try this week, are the plans that they have in there. They have maybe thousands of plans on this Bible app. And each one is amazing. And if you want some recommendations, come up to me or come up to one of our team members in our team t-shirts, and they can help you find one of a one of plan that, that works for them and is speaking to them. But the reason why plans are so great is because I'm dumb. You didn't have to laugh. Like, who laughed at that? That's not right. But I don't understand Scripture. And so these plans, what they do is it, it unpacks the Scripture you're about to read by someone who who has asked more questions than you, who have studied just a little bit longer than you. It doesn't mean that, you're, it doesn't mean that you haven't studied, or it doesn't mean that you shouldn't, or, or they, you haven't asked questions. It's just they might have asked more, or asked more about this certain verse. And so they're, they're, they're telling you what this verse means, and then you have the whole context, and then you read the verse on how God is wanting to speak in your life. It's an amazing tool that you can use. So verse of the day and plans, if you don't get anything out of this message but those two things and downloading that app, I think this day is a win. So download that app. It's worth it to try to ask questions, to seek God's word and try to understand it. And the book of Exodus puts it this way. Why is it so important? It's because Exodus 31, 18 says this. When the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, so he was on the mountain speaking to the Lord, he gave him the two stone tablets or the Ten Commandments inscribed with the terms of the covenant or the relationship that we're supposed to have with God. And it says it's written by the very finger of God. This is the way that that God wants to communicate with us, so it is so important that we learn to listen to his word. And, and that's exactly what you can see in this story that we're going to unpack for today. We're going to stay in Exodus. We're going to talk about Moses. Moses is one of the most significant dudes in the Bible, especially the Old Testament. He is an amazing person. God did some amazing things through him. And what you can see in his life is he brought the entire Hebrew people. It says there's about like one point two million men that came out of Egypt. So that means there's probably close to two million people that he saved from slavery and brought out of Egypt. Amazing. And one of the most amazing things he did is he split the sea, or he didn't do it. He, he put his staff over and God split the sea so the people could walk right through it onto their way to the promised land. And so the, the context of this story is this These people, the Hebrew people, have seen so many amazing things. They've seen miracle after miracle, and they've seen this man, or, or God work through this man, Moses. And so Moses went up on the mountain where he would talk to God on behalf of the people. 
And God gave him this inscription, this, this word of God, this scripture. And meanwhile, the people of, uh, that were just brought out of slavery, so they've been saved, and the, they were down below, not on the mountain. They were down in the valley. And, and what happened was they, they'd been saved. They were brought out of Egypt. They were working and walking towards the promise of God. And they were praying to God. They were waiting on God. But they felt like they were left on red. Let's read about it. In, in Exodus 32, 1 through 4, it says, When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it in the shape of a calf. Then people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So Moses was about to bring down the very thing they needed, the very thing they were waiting for from God. And that brings me to my first point today, is that we're not left on red, we're left unread. I want to say that again, is we're not left on red, we're left unread. And I want to start with that last verse that we just read. It says, then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So the first thing that I noticed is that they wanted to have faith in something that they could see or something that culture could provide for them. And it's so easy, I think, for all of us to do that. And the reason why I see that, saw that is I was studying it and in Egypt where the Hebrew people were just taken out of slavery. It was common practice to worship a, a bull statue. And so they made this image of something that they knew before they were saved. And they couldn't quite shake it. And so I think it's so easy for us to worship what we see or worship what we had from the past. Now here at Velocity, I want you to know that like, we're not down on sports. We're not down on social media. We're not down on, on streaming. Like, I do all of those things, and I enjoy them. I think God made them for our enjoyment. And I think, honestly, God made them for his platform to speak through us and speak through these areas. But how many times in our lives have we thought, well, you know, maybe when they win a Super Bowl, then I'll feel fulfilled. Or really convicting for me this week is how many times has my team lost and it's literally ruined my entire day, right? For me, how many times in our lives have we thought, well, maybe when I get to 150 likes on a post or maybe when I see this many followers, will I feel worthwhile and loved? And how many times have we streamed that one TV show? Like how many times, it's, it's like a question right now. How many times have you watched The Office? right? It's like a competition. I've watched it 11 times. Awesome. But how many times have we watched that one TV show hoping to find the laugh or the joke or the joy that we really, really desire? So culture says we make something you can see, and God's Word says this. Check this out. If they listen, if they listen and obey God, 
They will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. All their years will be pleasant. So we look for things that can easily fulfill us right now, but God wants to give us an entire life of fulfillment, of listening to him, of obeying him. But what I saw is it wasn't what they saw or something visual. This rocked me this week when I saw this and God showed it to me. It says this. So Aaron said, I want you to participate with me when we get there, okay? So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from there and brought them to Aaron. That is really specific. The, they must have had gold somewhere else. They must have had currency somewhere else. Why was it their ear? Things that get in the way from listening or the things that are conveniently closer to our ears. Huh. Well, let's go back to the middle part of our, middle part of our scripture today. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16, 17, it says, Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. So I got to ask, is there anyone in here that just loves, loves it, loves to be critiqued and loves to be corrected? Who are you? Literally no one, right? Zero people. Someone raise their hand. Was it Claire? Oh, my gosh. Good thing I encouraged her. We, we can talk feedback later, Claire. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But there, no one really loves it, right? No one loves to be corrected but it's so necessary. And if you don't want to be corrected, there are two things that I would recommend you never do. And one would be public speaking, and the other one would be marriage. Because both solicit a lot of unsolicited feedback, right? And I got to say that in our marriage, Heather and I uh, have a lot of things in common. We have a lot of things in common, but we have, we have so much that we differ on. And one thing, this is gross, y'all. I was thinking about things that we were different about. This is seriously the grossest thing. One thing that is so gross that we differ on is she likes sardines. I didn't even think that was possible. Like, I thought they just made those for fun. You know what I mean? But who likes sardines? And one thing that she could never understand about me is that I love 99-cent Manwich Sloppy Joes. Those are the most delicious things. Come on, somebody. Woo! But she'll never understand that about me. She'll never understand it. She never will partake. And I will never have a sardine. In Jesus' name, get behind me, Satan. But that's not the only way that Heather and I have found out our differences, right? Is one way that we found our differences was through uh, the love languages test. Have you heard about this? Is this love languages test? There's five love languages, and, and it it describes how uh, you want to be loved. So there's a top of the five. There's a top love language that each of us wants to receive, or each one of us desires for our relationships. But uh, Heather and I have been married for four years, and about half a year in, like most couples. The honeymoon phase is completely gone, and we're left with the stark reality 
that were two completely broken people trying to live in close proximity to each other, which is a recipe for, thank you, yes, disaster, right? So things were tense. Uh, we ended up being so frustrated with each other in this time because all of the, 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 the niceness, the rose-covered glasses are completely off. We saw each other for how we really were, and we were so frustrated because one reason was I was trying to do all of these acts of service. I don't know if anybody's an acts of service person, but for me, I was cleaning the house. So I was vacuuming. I was getting all the dog hair off the couch. I was cleaning the house, cleaning the dishes. And I love doing that. I want to do that for her acts of service. And I was getting the oil changed in the car, right? She'll love that, right? I'm taking care of business with the car. And then uh, one, one other thing that I did is I was, I was building literally mountains of Ikea stuff that she was buying, right? She has to love that. She has to appreciate that. But she didn't. But the reason is, is oftentimes in our relationships, we try to love someone else how we want to be loved. But the hardest part of that is learning to listen to how they want to be loved. It's so hard. Why? Because it exposes our rebellion. It, it makes her correct me on how she should be loved. So what I was thinking about this week is no one wants to get into a marriage, and then about three years, they're like, ah, you know, this is great, but we're calling it quits. Let's get a divorce. Like, no one goes into marriage like that, right? And it's the same thing with your dream job. Like, you don't get your dream job and say, you know what? After three years, I'm just not going to grow anymore, and I'm just not going to sustain this growth, and I'm just going to not work in my dream job anymore, right? We don't say that. And it's the same thing with our faith. We don't say, I want a stale I want a stagnant, I want a comfortable, I want a blank faith, right? No one says that. We don't want a dull, a boring faith. But the only thing that can make growth happen is correction. And here's the truth, is that people who don't grow, write this down, this is so important. The people who don't grow are uncomfortable being corrected. The people who do grow are uncomfortable being comfortable. I want to say that again because I don't know if you got it. The, the people who don't grow, they stay where they are. They, they quit on their stuff. They don't get what they want. They don't find their dream. They're comfortable. They're uncomfortable with correction. They're uncomfortable with feedback. And the people who truly grow, the people God uses in the mightiest way, the people who fulfill their calling are so uncomfortable with being comfortable. So if we really want to win out our relationships, if we really want to understand how to learn to listen, we have to accept that there are going to be things that we disagree on. There are going to be things that I need to be humbled and corrected to learn how to love. And oftentimes I feel like this is where we stop with our relationship with God. Why? It's because God has a very specific way that he wants to be loved. And let's be clear that God's ways are higher than our ways, right? God's ways are deeper, more profound. There's more wisdom. There's more power. There's more grace. There's more love in the kingdom of God than in us. 
And so if we really are going to learn to listen to God, then we have to accept correction. And so I think that's why it's so hard to understand Scripture sometimes because it's not only hard to read, but it's hard to agree. And just like in our relationships, Scripture says it this way in Romans 12, 12. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't try to seek the things. Don't try to build the calf on the things you can see. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And here's the thing that I want you to hear about love languages. Is that oftentimes I think we confuse the difference between religion and relationship. There's a huge difference, right? And the Ten Commandments were coming down from God to the Hebrew people, trying to train them in the way God wanted them to live. So religion says you have to do all these things. You have to do all Ten Commandments, and then you'll earn God's love. But listen to this. Relationship says God wants, you, wants to teach you to love him because he already loves you. Let me say it this way. That religion calls them commandments that we have to obey, and relationship says that they are love languages to learn. Scripture says, if you love me, comma, then keep my commandments. Are we operating from God's grace, or are we operating for God's grace? Are we operating from God's love, or are we operating for God's love? And I think God's word can be difficult because it can be hard to read. It can be hard to agree. And the next thing I want to tell you is it can be hard to believe. And I think it can be hard to believe because there, there are some of us in this room who are walking through maybe the most difficult thing you've ever had to walk through in your life. Cancer, anxiety, depression. There may be recently you've been through one of the most incredibly difficult things you've ever had to go through. And I think sometimes, if we're real, it's really hard to believe the promises of God when we feel like we're left on red. It's because we pray and we pray, we ask for God's help, we send text after text after text, but we feel like there's no one on the other line. And that's my next point is we have to stop waiting for a voice and start looking for a verse. The encouragement, the coaching, the guidance, the voice that we need to hear is found in a verse that we haven't looked for yet. And that's the final part of our key verse. Read this with me. It says, through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. We are put together and shaped up. So it's when we feel like we're in pieces it's when we feel like our lives are in shambles. It's when everything is spread out on the floor. That God's word is designed to put you together, to hold you back up, to bring you back into the calling of God, to bring you back into the will of the heavenly Father, which is pleasing and perfect. And you don't just see this in our lives, but you see it, saw this in the life of Jesus. And I just want to take a little bit more time before we close that the life of Jesus, right when he was baptized, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And 
This was right before he was start, going to start his earthly ministry of healing and, and delivering that light in the darkness. And he was led into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days. And this wilderness was this place of stuckness or this place where you need the presence of God. You're, you're fasting, you're longing for the presence of God. And Jesus was there. And I love how Jesus modeled this because there was so much the enemy, so much the devil wanted to speak as a lie into Jesus' life. But he didn't model praying to God. He modeled finding a verse and speaking the verse. And I just want to highlight the very first one that he did. And it's in Matthew 4. And it says this, But Jesus told him, the devil, no. The scriptures say. Maybe that's what you need to hear today is no. The scriptures say. And it says, People do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus could have waited for the voice, but his voice of his father, but he modeled finding a verse. And maybe that's how you feel this morning. You feel like just, just like Jesus felt. Hard pressed on any side. You feel the pressure, the weight, maybe the anxiety or the fear is pressing on your chest. And, and what God wants to speak into your life is found in a verse. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, of love, of self-control. He wants you to know that the God of peace the God of, of absolute peace can, that can control your waves, all he needs to do is wake him up so he can say, peace be still over your anxiety. Maybe you walked in here today and you feel like, you feel like that you are overwhelmed by the guilt from your past, the mistakes that you've made in your life. But this is what God's word wants you to understand, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And maybe you came here today and you feel like it's hopeless. Your life has no future. There's no plan for your life. But there is a plan for the Lord declares. It says, I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. This is what God's trying to speak to you. But when we stop looking for the voice or hearing, waiting for the voice and look for a verse, God can speak in the most mighty way. And I want to close with this is, is maybe you're here today and you, you don't really see the light in all of the darkness around you. You do feel like there's no hope that all of these things in your life that are around you don't quite fulfill you. You, you have this aching, this longing for something to, to fill you. And this is what I tell you is that when you feel like there's no way, it's because there's no word. And what do I mean by the word? In John 1, 1 through 5, it says this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except 
through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness stands no chance. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the very word of God. Jesus is the word of God that became flesh. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the light in the darkness that you're looking for. And who is Jesus? He is the son of God. He is God in the flesh. His name is above every other name. And one day, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue will confess his lordship. If, if you look at your life right now and you are living for anything else, you are shooting way too low. God wanted to show you his love by sending down his son, his perfect son, to show you his love. And who did Jesus love? Jesus loved the unrighteous. Jesus loved the sinners. Jesus loved the people who never got it right. So maybe that's you this morning. That you need to realize that Jesus became sin for you as the perfect sacrifice on the cross. And God raised him up from the dead so that you would have eternity with him. That you could learn to listen. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching at Velocity. For more great messages just like these, remember to subscribe. That way you won't miss anything. If today's message impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can do that by going to findvelocity.org give and partnering with us financially. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope this message inspired you, built your faith, and helped you see how God is moving in your life.